Hello and welcome to Hardcasters. Tonight we are going to delve into the video game phenomenon that was Mortal Kombat and the films it inspired. Not the good ones, no. In the traditional Hardcasters tradition, we're going to pick the one that everyone likes to take a massive dump on, and that is Mortal Kombat Annihilation. But I, Dominic Diplom, am not doing this on my own. Here, walking out of a portal to Outworld where he's been perfecting a finishing move that I think involves putting his fingers inside you, it is Dick Versage. Hello, Dick. Hello. I'm just moving my notes from driving Miss Daisy out of the way because that's what I thought we were doing this week. And he said about five, pretty much, yeah. I mean, he does yeah. rip her spine out at the end. Yeah. Doesn't She turns into a giant CGI dragon at the end, doesn't she? Or am, yes. I, am I confusing it with something else? Yeah, yes, she does. Yes, she does. Absolutely. What? What? Uh, I don't know how long ago you'd seen it, but what were your uh, impressions on watching it the other day? It gave don't me a hold fuck, back. It gave me a fucking headache. <laughs> that's that's that was my take. At the end of the film, I had a pounding headache. Yeah, from um, greatness, from its greatness. <laughs> it. I. I, have, I don't think I've ever seen a film that relies on as many flash cuts. Yeah. as this one. It's like. I get that you're editing this shot now. Stop it. Mm. If I say if I was any, you know, of any form of seizures, you know, which is no laughing matter, yeah. I'd have been screwed. I mean, it, it it was just a headache from and I appreciate the film is a film that is an ode to fighting, whereby, mm. you know, Mortal Kombat is just a series of fights. Yeah. But there was no real attempt. Uh, in this film to build any form of suspense for a fight that's going to happen. It was lots of people popping out of behind rocks going, aha, Mm. and they were going, oh, we're fighting now, are we? Yeah. That was pretty much it. Um, Yeah. So I have a slightly controversial view on this. In the And I want to stress this because I I worry that our one remaining viewer (laughs) might turn off in disgust, and not for the normal reasons, like... He's bored or he's fed up of my whiny voice, but because of what I'm about to say, and that is, I actually enjoy watching that one more than the first one. Now, Hang no, on. I didn't say I think he's gone. <laughs> I've just heard a click, <laughs> yeah. which has meant he's turned off his tape recorder. And, we, and, you know, please bear in mind, I didn't say it was better than the first one, but I enjoy it more precisely for that reason in that it is bonkers. I like to play a little game with myself and that I like to pretend when I'm watching it, I don't know what Mortal Kombat is or imagine what someone who's never heard of Mortal Kombat would think when watching this film and how wonderful that would be. Just like, who the fuck's this? Yeah, <laughs> a centaur's turned up. Um, yeah. And so it, it plays into this, this, this thing I've got that I love about some movies and it's what I've, I've mentioned this elsewhere before on the internet that um, I like a list of stuff in a film, just a list of things that happen irrespective of whether there's a logical thread between them. My go-to case in point is G.I. Joe. Um, If you list the things that happen in that film, like there's 
there's ninjas on jetpacks, there's children fighting. So, I mean, we have to cover that because it's such yeah. a glo- it's rubbish, but it's such a glorious, enjoyable film. Yeah. It's the, a pure popcorn film, that one. Eiffel Tower falls over. There's an Arctic base. Just list. There's a guy who, take, who swaps his face and becomes the president. Just a list of things, one after the other, that have no business being in a, in a single narrative. Mortal Kombat Annihilation trumps every list of stuff. At one point, a guy, we don't know why, we know who Jax is, but there's a guy with robot arms strapped to an operating table. A woman in a vest turns up and they're attacked by robots. Next, then, you know, and it's just like one thing after another. A guy yep. meets a mystic Native American who allows him to turn into a dragon. Next, just bonkers stuff. And I love it. It's like the it's like the most mental toy advert it is. ever. It does um, feel like a toy. It looks, it's got the CGI background of a toy advert, mm. where it's just, they've made no attempt to spend any money on it. They've just got lots of swirly kind of clouds in the background yeah. for the whole film. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I've got a little, um, if you're allowed to you know, indulge me for mm, a minute. Always. You know, like, like in the, the usual uh, way. Or, yeah. Okay, with a pick. I'll, with I'll a pick. warm my hands up. <laughs> um, <laughs> So when I was younger, back in the mist, think of it, you know, in your head, I want you to picture the Hovis advert of the kind of scruffy northerner pushing the mm. bike up a hill. That was me, dear listener. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, can, I can hear the trombone music. Yeah. <laughs> and, and basically, <clears throat> I, I obviously, like that everyone at the time got into game consoles, Mega Drive, SNESes, and I remember playing Street Fighter. Now, Street Fighter... I kind of got on board with um, and I enjoyed playing it, but really it didn't have any depth to me other than the fact that I'd kind of put it on, have a few fights and be like, oh, it was all right. And then mm. I'd put it, turn it off. But I remember specifically when Mortal Kombat came out and mm. I remember that the hype and the background behind it. And I remember watching, I think it was on Games Master, the kind of Channel 4 show where they played kind of games. Classic. Which is amazing. Um and I remember watching it and thinking, this looks amazing. And it, it kind of it came around at the time when our local VHS stores renting out games as well as VHSs. And I remember um, being fifth in line to rent out Mortal Kombat. I put my name was this down. On, was this on Mortal Monday, the day it was released? It was that? on Mortal Monday, that's correct. <laughs> um, I remember waiting to get my copy and play and rent it out for two nights. Mm. I remember getting it home, being like an excited, um, you know, antiquities. Someone who just mm. found, a, you know, gold in the deserts of Egypt. Mm. And I remember playing it and getting that feeling that actually it was amazing. Figuring out the moves, figuring out how to rip someone's spine out. It was oh, yeah. something else. It was something else. It was like Street Fighter was playable, but it felt like a cartoon. This felt like I'd stepped into like an adult world. It's amazing. Yeah. I got it. I got it for the Mega Drive on my with on my birthday with birthday money. Went into town with my friends, bought it, came back, and then we we had a sleepover. About three or four of us just playing it over and over and over again. But yeah, it's so good. And then I remember Mortal Kombat 2 topping that experience. Everything was just yeah. a bit slicker, a bit more refined. I, I Just that, the logo against the, the storm clouds yeah. and the lightning just catching it, thinking like, this is like nothing I've seen on a Mega Drive yeah. before. The extra characters loved it. Uh, yeah, it was a game that really captured my imagination. And I think there was a number of things. It clearly mixed martial arts, 
with horror, but not kind of, uh, well, kind of like an Evil Deady horror, slightly over yeah. the top, but it had monsters. It played into fantasy tropes. It had the kind of <clears throat> Big Trouble in Little China kind yeah. of um, kind of magic uh, and mythology. Probably not particularly authentic from the East, but there was it gave it this flavour. But it had right. a depth to it, didn't it? It had like you, there was a mythology and a story behind it. Where Street yeah. Fighter was a tournament that it felt cartoony, and the characters are a bit. Yeah. Uh, but this felt like it had depth. Every character had a sub story and a key component to this whole tournament, which yeah. I really liked. And the, the the digital capturing of the figures made it feel like, like, like real and like these. Like I remember, I we, I used to like playing Johnny Cage quite a bit. And when you're fighting on the bridge, you know the one you can you can punch mm. him down. It just felt like this feels like a real guy who's been dropped in the shit, like is in yep. this mental world, fighting a ninja who's going to tear bits off of him. Um, and just really excited about. The, but what also loved about it is the fact you, that it was quite contained, and the the this the settings were very evocative. But you got these windows out the back of this bigger world, this yeah. mad fantasy world, which felt kind of scary in this kind of scale of it and i don't think the first mortal Kombat particularly captured those elements for me now i like it and why i like it is it's got a shitload of charm um the cast get on quite well with each other and what i found the other day was was quite nice there was because obviously the new film's coming out there was a couple of places like re-interviewing the cast of the original Mm -hmm. And apparently they still hang out. Like they they asked, it was Robin Shaw who played Liu Kang and the guy whose name has just, I've literally just forgotten it, which is annoying because I know him. He was in Iron Man, um, but who played Johnny Cage. And like, when was the last time you two spoke? And we're like, two weeks ago. We just hang out all the time, which is really good mates. And that gives it this extra kind of niceness, but it doesn't do the gore. No. It's got the kind of batshit craziness, but it's never quite intimidating or scary. Because in translating it so faithfully that the colours pop in a different way on film and it feels a bit more cartoon. She actually weirdly feels a bit more like Street Fire on film than it yeah. does in that. Um, can't make that head nor tail of the rules of the tournament. And again, you know, there is a story there and it's fine. <clears throat> but things just happen. Mm. It's loosely threaded together. But a couple of things that really, uh, you know, apart from the charm, when I saw it at the cinema... I think at that time when it came out, what I'd been seeing in Western martial arts cinema is pretty much just riffs on Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we love him here. We, we're not going to uh, uh, diss him at all because he might slow motion roundhouses. Um, but so mashed potato was. Yeah, absolutely. Lo- loves it. But I'd also been watching like Jackie Chan movies and stuff like that and getting a sense of what was going on in the East. And I think even by then I was aware of Jet Li. And when I watched Mortal Kombat, it felt like middle ground. It didn't feel like someone just doing a few high kicks. The fight scenes felt fast and interesting and intricate in a way that I hadn't really seen a lot of in mainstream uh, East. I mean, I'm sure Cynthia Rothrock and, and those guys were doing it all the time on, as we talked about in the kind of, mm-hmm straight to, to video stuff, but sitting in the cinema and watching some like people, like, you know, especially the fights with Scorpion, uh, Reptile and Sub-Zero, they're quite short, but they're, they're really good fight, fight scenes. So that was a main thing. 
The second thing, and I really think it, this can't be underplayed, how much legwork that fucking song does. Yeah. Because it just comes on, you think, I'm having a great time. Like, yeah. you, could, you could have, you know, someone dying in a ditch with that song on, and I'd be, like, clapping along with it. Um, and, yeah, it, that opening with the flaming logo and that kind of... I, mean, I didn't even particularly like techno music or whatever genre of music that might be. I'm sure um, I've got that wrong. But yeah, it just felt it just gave it this energy that was a, a satisfying replacement for the violence and the sense of, yeah. of world building that the game had. And when it ends with the with Shao Khan just turning up and then just going Wah! and the music coming on. I mean, I left at cinema thinking I just watched the best film ever made. Like just Did left you on jump through a wall. Did you kick through a wall? Oh, I was I was just high, like flying, kicking people in the high street afterwards, like just running up to them. And, yeah. Um, I spent the night in, in prison. Um, the problem is, though, I don't think it's bonkers enough. Like, okay. it, it, you know, the first one, I think, is fine and it's got charm. But when you get to the second one, it's just nuts. It's like they don't give a shit. There's a, you know, they go from a mud wrestling scene to robots fighting to yep. someone somersaulting in a in an ancient temple to a fucking them riding round in those balls that are out of yeah. gladiators. Yeah, um, I don't know what that why that was there really. Yeah, I, I watched it. I rewound the scene. And I'm like, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? And yeah. I still don't know. There's a centaur in it. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I really love, which I think is a really nice bit of business, is the Sub-Zero Scorpion fight in this one. I'll go yeah. on record and saying um, Sub-Zero has gone through a few redesigns in both the game or whatever. Fuck off without him, without a ninja mask on, right? Yeah. Stop that shit. So yeah. that's that's one bad thing. But that fight and the fact that bridge is collapsing and there's some mm. something is really intricate and kind of a bit Indiana jones -y. Yeah. kind of a bit superhero -y. um and actually a lot more inventiveness and imagination in that fight than a lot of what went into the first film in a sense so again it doesn't belong in the film it doesn't there's no justification for it yeah. but yeah i just think i i really appreciate how it does feel like you're just going from level to level of a video game mm. yeah you know with like a but like a Mega Drive one where the the cutscenes are a still image with some text we Pretty go much. here yeah. so that we can do the level where we drive around in balls. I mean, that 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 scene is like a Sonic bonus level. You know, it just yeah. it just feels more like that experience. And again, I don't think it's good, but there's, I don't know, it's just fucking ridiculous. And at no point is something not, is it not showing you something that you kind of want to see in the film? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like something we'd pitch. So yeah, it's, it's, it's horseshit. It's a horseshit movie. Um, I'll tell you what it also does. Mm. So, you know, I think hopefully people who, I say people who listen to this podcast, those couple of people who listen to the podcast, mm. obviously, hopefully know what Mortal Kombat is in the mythology. So really this one deals with the kind of overlord of the tournament, Shao Kahn. Yeah. Who in the games just feels like this huge barbarian mm. looking motherfucker who clearly some, you know, intricate part of an eastern culture you know very dark eastern culture uh you know uh, supernatural elements mm. is kind of you know uh very powerful you know almost like a uh, you know a dracula figure but from the east that's what it feels like yeah and you, you'd think you'd cast like a um 
a kind of classically trained or well-respected Japanese actor Absolutely. or possibly, you know, to, to have that gravitas. Who, who remind me who again? So plays him? this is felt like we've cast him. We've just chucked a name on and goes, who could play this mm. barbarian supernatural Eastern overlord? Brian Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, even even as a villain, he even in a shit action film, he was barely a, a, mm. a, you know a kind of key villain. Really, yeah. was he apart from Cobra? No, and the fact that they recast Raiden and like you know Christopher Lambert as Raiden in the first film is like really. I mean, I like Christopher Lambert. I mean, that was pushing it, wasn't it? And then, but then we've recast him with James Remar. I'm like, Jesus, he gets rid of the hat and he's got bleach blonde hair <laughs> and no sleeves and it's like this what and then just yeah. starts does some prancing it, it felt like if, if you were in the pitch meeting for this film <clears throat> it feels like the, there's basically like it's eager intern who's on his first day at whatever yeah. studio made it he's running and the kind of person who's green lighting it is his basically his last day on the job and yeah. he, he couldn't care less he's literally he's off he's off to malibu tomorrow to just kind of you know die in his cocaine yacht yeah and he just he wants to get this meeting done as quick as possible yeah. he's got a button where he just clicks enter to green light yeah. all these ideas and this intro really excited intern has just had a you know he's had a, a one bar a can of coke <laughs> bag of skittles and he's going what about centaur and the guys yeah yep what about uh you know uh a, a bloke with metal arms with fats of rope yep uh what about shao Kart? yep who plays him brian thompson yeah that's fine we're going to recast Raiden. Yep, who's going to play him? James Rim. Yep, all yep. done. And he just clicked everything. This this kind of yeah, it, it kind of like screen. someone said. We're going to have a brainstorming session. There are no bad ideas. <laughs> just write down what you're thinking. They broke for lunch. When they came back, it, the the sheet had gone. Like what? And someone was already out filming it. Now, do do you know the backstory of this? There's there's there is a bit of a story behind this. And I'm going to kind of butcher it a little bit because you know fuck research but I, i've got a general flavor of what occurred so the first film happened um it was optioned by uh, uh, this guy whose name i forget um and the first film did well and the game was doing well and the story that the the guy who kind of had the option to make it was that because the game i think mortal kombat 3 may be being released and they wanted the film to launch alongside it or around the same time to keep that kind of synchronicity, he was under considerable pressure to shoot the sequel before they were ready. And that meant that they lost uh, Paul W.S. Anderson and they promoted the cinematographer from the first film to director. So that's why it kind of looks the same. Yep. A chunk of the cast didn't want to come back because they didn't like the script. Um, and so that's why they recast and they basically just went into shooting really, really quickly. The sequel has a significantly higher budget than the first one. They had more money on the sequel. Bloody hell. And most of it was spent on locations, apparently. Yeah, so they had more money. They just went into production with with not the right people in place not the right script and it's and the, there is you know they're quite honest in reflecting about that but i just think it's 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 interesting and the fact that essentially just killed it you know there was no more uh there was obviously the tv series which i've kind of tried watching and it's just not none of the stuff you want is in there 
And then obviously the web series later on, which yeah, was okay. Yeah. But I think this new movie has got potential. I think it looks kind of like what you want to see. The trailer mm-hmm. looked like great fun. But I will say as well, I mean, I, I've dabbled in the games on and off. And um, again, I, I might be quite controversial, but I, I really, as they've gone on, they've got a bit more cartoony and the, the characters have got bulkier and more yeah. He-Man-like. It's kind of lost that sense of realism. It feels yeah. too broad, you know. Um, but also, I can't help but think, the last one I played was, I think it was 10, mm. whichever the previous one was. And I remember thinking, you know what? Those two, those side on fighting games like Street Fighter, whatever yeah. they're called, I don't, there's not much. I was like, this is just the same game as it was 20 years ago, just there's a few more buttons to press. Yeah. And there was a version of Mortal Kombat, I can't remember what it was called, on the Wii. Okay. And it was hands down the best version since Mortal Kombat 2 because it had two key things. One, it had every character you could possibly ask for. It was its own version. It didn't exist on any other platform. It had a character generation thing, so you could make your own character and assign him the various moves of people. But the in the Mortal Kombat game, you have the the main game, then you have like this crypt level where you unlock things and you walk around a crypt and you... In this game, it was a essentially a free roaming like Skyrim, but on Outworld. Okay. And you walked around and you picked things up and you explored the area. When you met another character, it then went into the 2D mode and you fought them. Brilliant. And that was better than the fighting game. And I was Amazing. like, this is it. This is what Mortal Kombat should be. It should be like Skyrim or Fallout. It should be this open world where yep. you get to explore this thing and then go into... That's my opinion anyway. I mean, um, it, I think you're right because actually, when you kind of see these cool locations in the fight, you think, "I want to explore this." Like when you see, yeah. like you know, kind of, you know, the the bridge with the lava or the kind of yeah. the crypt, the crypt uh, that Goro is kind of kept as a you know a kind of. He's like, "I want to see all this. I want to yeah. roam around this world because it looks really interesting." Absolutely. Yeah. Who was your so think about Mortal Kombat? Let's kind of go. You know, the first three, the kind of classic three. Who was yeah. your go-to character? Who would you? Who would you be? So um, if I wanted, genuinely, and this sounds ridiculous, if I wanted to get invested in, in the event, I would go Johnny Cage. Yeah. Because it felt like he was the person up against the supernatural stuff. And I liked normal guy versus weird shit, kind of, and the threat mm-hmm. of that. Um, I still don't think, I think the design of Johnny Cage in the first game, with the black shorts, the red sash, and the kind of studded bracelets, that's yeah. Johnny Cage. We Every version since... Not so fussed about. That's the look. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't him, Sub Zero. Okay. I am Team Sub Zero, well over Team Scorpion. Okay. Um, I just think just, you know all that shouting from Scorpions is trying too hard. Sub Zero is as cool as ice. And then, Oops. if not Sub Zero, Reptile, but Mortal Kombat Two Reptile. No, no lizard face shit. No okay. giant. Just. Him in the green ninja suit. Yeah, yeah. Um, equal to that, Raiden. Yeah. Because Raiden looks like the dudes from Big Trouble Big, Little China. Yeah. And frankly, you just do that thing where he just flies across the screen the whole time. It really fucks off the person you're playing against, but it's yeah. pretty much... Did you usually try doing that to your friends? Yeah. 
what I found is that as you jump, you just fall onto your ribs and chin. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and no electricity came out of me. No. Shit did. <laughs> I shat myself and yeah. I cried a bit, but no electricity. Yeah, just, absolutely. Just feces. Yeah. Um, what about yourself? Who did you favour? Well, controversially, I know you don't like this. Uh, I think I was Team Scorpion because I just thought, I just he had a chain. Uh, he's just I just I liked his, his the, the kind of gimmicks and his backstory. I liked all that. Mm. Um, I like Kung Lao as well. I love the kind of yeah. razor blade hat that he had. A it was really good cool when you threw with. it and it span in them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, beautiful. Um, I like Kano as well because again I liked his kind of. Oh, I did like Kano. Um, yeah. Are you are you a Mortal Kombat one Kano in the white or a Mortal Kombat two in the red and black? Two, hmm. I'm undecided. You're on the fence on that one. So when we think about, obviously that they kind of, I think it was Mortal Kombat two that they kind of, obviously yeah. we had kind of Scorpion and Sub Zero, mm. and then we had um, Sub Sub Zero without the mask. Oh, I like mm. to call Plane Zero. Um, now Plane Zero. <laughs> um, but obviously they had the different ninjas in different colors so then they had reptile didn't there was more combat yeah. too and then there was the unlockable character which smoke. was smoke and then there was another one noob smoke smoke was, boot. yeah so smoke was gray, gray. wasn't he and yeah. noob saybot cybot sabot was black like he was like a shadow I think so yeah. and then wasn't there later on ermac who was red that's right yeah, yeah. what did ermac do um, he buffed people's shoes, gave them back rubs. He was more of a support character. Okay. He was the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Game. Although I do think one thing, one criticism I do have for Mortal Kombat 2 is it pissed me off when they made punching them off bridges a combo you had to learn. Yeah. Because in the right. first game, you just uppercut him on the finish him yeah. and down he went. Yeah. But and I could never, I, for some reason, I could never get those. So I could never put them in the acid. And I could, one out of five attempts, get him up on the spikes on the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. The acid was very satisfying. It was, though, yeah. When the little skeleton would pop up at the end. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, um, I think it's time for Elevator Pitch. <laughs> are, you, are you going first this time? I've got one for you. Go for it. Ready? Yeah. <clears throat> the bottom knockers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, this is great. I've got this. So it's in a kind of um, near future, but like Escape from New York, Stroke, Warriors, not like post-apocalyptic, but kind of a bit of urban decay. Mm. Not quite Robocop, but getting there. Okay. And um, essentially, uh, normal humanity lives on like a higher level. They've built walkways okay. and stuff like that. But down below is where um, the filth is. It's like, it's savage. That is like, a, is almost like Escape from New York. It's just savages. Yeah. And we're introduced to two cops. Um <laughs> Frank Lowe. Yeah. Frank Lowe and Bobby Down. 
There we go. Yeah. Um, and they are what is commonly known as bottom knockers. <laughs> They're the people that have to go door to door, subterranean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, life expectancy is low. So we start with like a, just like a ride along with them. Um, but there is a, uh, a kind of figure who's like this looked up to dignitary who's uh, part of the person who kind of envisioned this new society. Um, but down below, they find evidence that somehow he's involved in a conspiracy and they have to eventually lead an uprising from below up the top to uh, destroy. Essentially, they've been keeping people low. Yeah, It's not that they are inherently criminal. Um, and it's down to our two uh, low and down, the bottom knockers, to rise up and knock at the top. Is that the tagline, knock at the top? Yeah. Brilliant. They've, they've been in the bottom. Now it's time to knock at the top. Amazing. Or knock, knock, who's there? Bottom knockers. <laughs> Big letter. Who plays the bottom knockers? Oh, um, so I think it's going to be uh, Treat Williams. Yeah. And I want... What about Lou Gossett Jr.? Lou Gossett Jr. and Treat Williams. Um, Academy Academy Award nominated Lou, Lou Gossett Jr. As he's yeah. known on posters. And the dignitary, the evil dignitary is Jack Palance. Oh, yes. Um, okay, that's bottom knockers. Dick. Fist of piss. It's my local chip shop. <laughs> um, fist of piss. Um, right. Um, okay, so uh, we have a tough Chicago cop, uh, Bobby Piss. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, he's an alcoholic? He's a drunk. Mm. Uh, he's he was good at his job at one point, but um, he's he took a liking to um, alcohol, prostitutes, and the seedy life. Basically, like uh, Michael Douglas's character in Hard Rain, um, but so much that he's now got a cost in the bag. Um, so they, they they he kind of pissed by name, pissed by nature, so to speak. Um, basically, um, they find some. Um, uh, he's he's doing a warehouse, but a uh, uh, warehouse bus down by the docks, and on this kind of bus, there's lots of drugs, but also this kind of um, golden sort of casket. Mm. Uh, and um, Bobby Piss is like, "What's this?" So he's like, "Can I can I snort it?" And it, it, he realizes it's some sort of amulet. Um, and then there's kind of a, a mysterious um, lady who pops up behind this kind of crate and goes, come with me. Um, and basically, they fuck off to Japan. Um, <laughs> and it, he uh, ends up in this kind of, he gets he gets his vision quest and he has to go to this cave. And the amulet is basically, um, turns him into a, a martial artist Um Basically, he turns him into I don't I want to say dragon, but I'm gonna go panda. It mm. turns him into like this kind of huge angry panda. Um and um he becomes like this kung fu panda um with a colostomy bag. 
um, and ends up kind of fighting the, uh, the shits who are trying to get on the other amulet in like a martial arts mortal combat style tournament. Mm. Um, and his finishing move is a panda paw uppercut um, that's kind of knocks them out over the kind of this kind of steel railings, and they, it's called the fist of piss. Love it. And at the end, he kind of celebrates by doing a teddy bear roll around the arena, like holding yeah. his hands to his legs and just rolling around the place. Love it. Oh, can he, as a panda, can he ride a bike at one point, like a like a, yeah. a small motorbike? It, yeah, small motorbike, rickshaw, and uh, yeah, loads of vehicles. Uh, tagline? Um, you've had seen the Fist of Fury. You've seen the Fist of the Northern Star. Now get ready for a fist full of piss. Love Something it. like that. Uh, can I also, as a subtitle, suggest it's a it's a golden shower of Shinobi. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, that's the, the the name of the evil doers are called yeah. the Golden Shower. Oh, it's perfect. I will rain down on you. Now, we're doing things a little bit differently this week, uh, uh, people, in that there's kind of little point in talking about merchandise from Mortal Kombat for no other reason that it came from merchandise. And obviously, there's, there's a tremendous amount of merchandise for it. Um, I'm sat not a foot away uh, from a Raiden and Sub-Zero action figure up here. Um, so rather than pitch additional merchandise for it, we've decided that we're going to fold the merchandise into our own pitch. Now, the reason for this is because, I, you know, we thought it'd be great fun to pitch our own video game adaptation. The problem is, I, I was thinking about this, and I thought, well, we don't want to adapt a video game that's already been made, so we don't want to do Super Mario Brothers, although that would, that would be amazing. But I imagine we'd probably come up with something similar that was actually made. Um, I kind of felt Double Dragon... I'd love to see that, but that's already a movie. Yeah. Not a great one and nothing like the game. And I was kind of thinking, well, what about Operation Wolf? That would be quite cool. Mm -hmm. But then it's just yep. some guy shooting. I was thinking about Shinobi, but since we're doing merchandise at this point, Dick Visage, as ever, pointed out, why don't we create our own video game and then adapt that? And I don't know about you people out there, uh, but I it's think that's shot. a... A spiffing idea. So, um, what genre of game do you think we should be going for here? Shooting, fighting. I, I mean, I, I would say I'm kind of gravitating towards side-scrolling beat 'em up, like Streets of Rage or Double Dragon, because you've I... got a few characters to choose from. Because we can keep it in that Mortal Kombat world as well. We can make them slightly outlandish. They've got yeah. special moves, but we kind of explore in a world. I think that's exactly the way to go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's got to be sort of, yeah, street level, but with an air of kind of strangeness. I think so. I think yeah. so. Okay. Um, so let's start with our, our three characters. Yeah. Because you always pick from three. You have the weak, fast one. Yeah, the strong slow one. Yeah, and then Mister Vanilla White Bread in the middle. Yeah. So, for example, in Final Fight, we'd have our orange suited 
Ninjury guy, we'd have our guy in a tight white shirt, and then Haggard, the <laughs> moustached mayor of whatever town who just spins yeah. around on the spot. Yeah. Um, let's start with the fun bit. Who's our heavy? What's he look like? All right, so obviously we get, like you said, Haggard, who is kind of a moustached mm. strong man. Then his Streets of Rage, the first one, it was Adam, who was the kind of, who was always my go-to, the kind mm. of... Um, slightly slower stronger stronger or yellow vested one yeah. and the second one it was max who was like a big wrestler kind of guy yeah so we want it to be some sort of outlandish strong man what about what well, i'm seeing something like zangief from street Fighter. yeah so some sort of like factory worker or you know works in like a mine or something like that kenny um he looks like pat rose just a big guy yeah with a beard, um, I want it to be like a, a ginger beard, but he's he's kind of he's quite tanned. I've got him. He's called Beef Eater. Okay, and right. he's got a Beef Eater's hat. Yeah, but other, and then a pair of red pants. Yeah, and he's a big British bulldog of a man. Okay, Benny Beef Eater. Benny Beef Eater. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, uh, so then obviously we'll go to our. Uh, featherweight. Yeah. Um, I think we're going lady for this one. I, I think so. Yeah. Someone quick on her feet, fast. So I'm going to call her Roxy Pollux. Roxy Pollux. Pollux. Yeah. Um, she is on roller skates. Yeah. Could she have one of those kind of vinyl jackets that's got like a belt around the middle, but it's got a big collar? Absolutely. She. she I, I imagine her looking a bit like Cindy Lauper. Yeah. But with nunchucks on roller skates. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Roxy Pollux. So then in the middle, we've got our boring bloke. I guess I, I, I you know what? Something I've always, I've always loved in in Double Dragon, and I'm going to reference Double Dragon a lot. I love the fact that the guys, the characters in that, you got the blue and the red guy. Mm. The fact they've got short, like Mad Max shoulder pads. Yeah. So I want a guy who's kind of got a sleeveless Mad Max jacket. Yeah. I imagine a big old. Buffon kind of quiff, like 50s. There's part mullet, part it's just yeah. big hair. Yeah. Um and uh, I reckon yeah. he's gloves like like Johnny Cage. He's got those kind of gloves with like uh studs on them. Yeah, absolutely. Knee pads. Yeah. Um, and a big old belt buckle. Yeah. But everything else is so it, right, okay. He's denim Mad Max. It's all denim. Yeah. But with a Mad Max shoulder pad, fingerless gloves. Knee yeah. pads and yeah. massive hair, and he's called Roy Tweezer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Tweezer, Pollux, and Beef Eater. Yeah. Just before we go any further, I'm almost going to reference another game, and this is a bit of a deep cut for people out there. Have you ever played Undercover Cops, which what was, was a post-apocalyptic beat 'em up, and you were three cops, and the big guy had like an American football jersey on, but okay. you could literally pull like concrete pillars at the ground and smash people with them Brilliant. and they gradually break down it was well good anyway sorry so these are our three characters yeah okay so we've got to have a number of levels mm -hmm. and i like the fact it starts you know you get like the map yeah and you're in this sector here i like the fact it starts street level mm. and ends up somewhere fucking mental like yeah we've got to think up our waves of bad guys the the bad guys that are on repeat just different colors yeah. Um, and a few bosses. Yeah. So we start street level. Yeah. 
usual thing, bars, telephone boxes knocked down, the occasional yeah. person riding up on a motorbike, kick over a bin, there's a whole roast chicken under it, that kind of thing. Which always And we're going to adapt verbatim into the film. Yeah. Every half, every 20 minutes, a character eats a whole roast chicken. They <laughs> under a bin. Yeah. In real time, no cutting away, bones and all. Can um, we, can we also, because let's say, Let's go. Let's say we play this in the Mega Drive. So it have three buttons: mm. button B and button C, a punch and kick. But button A is the special move, which you can only use a couple of times per level. What could the three characters' special moves be? Okay, so um, I think Beef Eater slams the ground, and a I'm series sure of one of them. Oh, a series <laughs> of mushroom clouds pop up yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Okay, but then. Yeah, so that he just, oh, I don't know. Do you want to go and keep him? Because I also like the idea of him smashing the ground, and everyone leaping up into his mouth, and then him, an animation of him rubbing his tummy and going, hmm, something like that. Brilliant. What was your? I, I, can I do uh, Roxy Pollocks? Yeah. So, do you know in Streets of Rage, the first game? Yeah. Uh, for those who are familiar with it, if you pressed A, you didn't come up with a special move. A police car would appear. Yeah. On it and so oh, the rocket launcher, I just fire it and they just clear mm. out. Yeah. So I think you press A, and all of a sudden, a little monkey with a jetpack flies into shot and has two oozes or a flamethrower, and just goes yeah. bah, 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 bah. and he then he just makes a little kind of chimp noise like bah, bah, and he flies off again. Yeah, great. And then, um, what was it Roy Tweezer? <laughs> yeah, Roy um, Tweezers. he summons. Uh, a dragon made of fire, but like a Godzilla that stomps okay. in and just stamps on everyone. Brilliant. So yeah, start on the street. What's so let's go? Let's go. Four levels. Level one is street. Yeah. What's level two? Uh, level two is the docks. Yeah. And you jump like on that. a boat at the end. Yeah, and off you go. Mm. Level three is an exotic kind of beach. Mm. So it's kind of like you start on sand, there's some forestry, then it goes into like wooden huts, a bit jungly maybe. Yeah. Four? Um, I think four, helicarrier, like a shield helicarrier. It comes at the end and mm. you jump on it and it, it flies. So you basically you're flying and going across this helicarrier. Yep. And then five is deep inside the villain's secret base inside an asteroid yeah that's where the helicopter is going the helicopter goes up into space and you're inside this elaborate and you're looking down at earth um okay so uh our waves of bad guys i think generally you have um your basic grunts are easy to beat yeah you have your slightly tougher people yeah there's the female bad guys that come on and yeah. that normally whip you yeah so I, I think we'll stick with the with the whipping lady villains yeah because that's just consistent that's nothing yeah. it's not like a niche i'm into or anything um i also think there should be some guys that come on in suits with a gun yeah they just come on um who do you want what what the other guys look like so i reckon the grunts are i think the grunts should be they've got like they're basically like the village people they've got mm. like kind of uh denim denim waistcoats white t-shirts yeah. and kind of um, leather hats. Mm. Good. Um, and the slightly heavier grunts, Mexican wrestlers. 
Yeah. Cool. So then, who's our boss at the end of the street level? Street what level, would you I say, is a, a street level guy. I think it should be like a massive pimp. Like it's yeah. it's kind of a pimp who's got like he's got a, a cane that he throws and it spins across around the screen. Um, and you've got to duck out the way of it. Um, can I can I also make a suggestion? You know, in Double Dragon, the yep. you know those big guys that smash through the walls. Yeah. And one of them just was inexplicably green. Mm. Can he? Can this pimp be green skinned? Can he be some kind of weird mutant? Oh, absolutely. Pimp? But yeah, he's just he's just got green skin. He's even not like a mutant. He's just got green skin. Even better, he's silver. He's got steel skin. He's a okay. steel skin pimp. What's his name? Because they always have the names of the bosses at the end. Grunts yeah, but they're always they? they're always not kind of as intimidating as you you think. No, Francis. <laughs> Yeah, Francis. Yeah, brilliant. Francis the steel skin pimp. Okay, so level two is the docks. Yeah. Um. So I think they should, at the end, have to fight a giant octopus. I was going to say some blog that looks like Popeye. <laughs> Just really oh, big forearms. Compromise. A, a, a guy like Popeye who's riding an octopus. Yeah, brilliant. And there's, there's eight legs firing at you. Yeah. And you've got to dodge and, and do that. Excellent. What's he uh, called? What's his, Oh, um, uh, ploppy, <laughs> ploppier to avoid copyright. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Level three then is kind of you arrive on the beach, but go into yeah. jungle and yeah. it's all wooden bamboo shit. Um, so I think with that, gorilla. Yeah, a cyborg ape. Yeah. Of some kind. Called um. Terry. <laughs> yeah, Terry the Robo Ape. Then we go to the Heli character, and I feel that this should be some kind of Dr. Robotnik style guy in a little flying chair. Yeah. Little flying kind of thing that's yeah. got missiles on it. Who's our main overlord who lives up? What's, in the, the what's Dr. Robotnik called? What's he called? Oh, sorry. Um uh Chester. Chester bombs with a Z. <laughs> yep. Um, and then, yeah. chuck, just chuck grenades out of the, the chair. You no, know, like the the black ball bombs with the fuse. Yep. He throws them at you. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, who who's the the main overlord who's overseeing this this um, organization? I think it should be. I reckon he's got a cape. I reckon he's got like a Doctor Doom style cape. Mm. Um, can he can, when he punches? Can it be like um? Inspector Gadget, it comes out, yeah, like stretches out on like a cord, so he can punch really far, a bit like Dal Zim, but but armored. I think he basically he, he trots on the on the screen and he does that kind of classic video game that it's like, oh, he doesn't look very intimidating, and he kind of roids out and he just is kind of he rip his kind of suit rips off and he kind of becomes this monstrous character. You do that shit thing where you fight him, you think you've beaten him, yeah, and then he, he goes, yeah. yeah, massive, and you have to fight him in space. So he basically looks like Alan Sugar, and he roids out and he just becomes this kind of horrific cyborg slash mutant thing yeah what's his name uh crandor he starts, <laughs> off, he starts off with a really business officious business name yeah do you know let's have it like lord sugar lord he's sugar not, he's not copyrighted his name lord sugar yeah. so he's like a businessman yeah. and he turns into like emperor crandor yeah 
great. Oh, and just one other thing. Uh, can you give me some of the weapons you can pick up out of various bins and shit to hit people with? Level one, I think your you, you baseball bats, your knuckle Nine. dusters, and your your bottles. I think. I think so. One. Like they should uh, like a brick mm. there as well, just something to clunk into people. I like. Yeah. Uh, down the docks, chains. Yeah. I like the idea you can hit some with an anchor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can throw you can throw barrels at people. Yeah. Uh, big fish. Hit someone with a massive fish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Harpoon. Um, oh, yeah. Fire that. Three some fuckers. And an oar. Yeah. An oar. And then beach stroke jungle. Can you fight someone with a windbreak? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the fact you can throw sand in people's eyes. Yeah, and yeah. Blinds yeah. them temporarily. Uh, bucket and spade. Yeah. Um, and at one point, you can literally grab an entire palm tree and just whack people with it. Yeah, brilliant. Heli carrier. It's going to be high tech stuff. So a lightsaber, I think, at some point, or like a yeah, laser yeah. axe. Um, you can pick up a missile and just lob it at people when they blow up. Mm. That kind of thing. And in space, I mean, you've got all sorts. No, I think in space you go back to like simple things, but not not even like street level. Like you can pick up a an iron and hit people or a yeah fucking twat them with a toaster not everything there to- chainsaws that just a lot yeah. it's like really just go completely batshit and weird shit like weird violent like a knitting needle you can jab yeah. people with brilliant yeah. hit them with a phone like an old-fashioned telephone just clunk them on the head yeah and brilliant. It absolutely what's, what's this game called well we're going to now i mean the title generator was never never designed to generate video game names who knows what's going to happen big mavericks which is pretty good bloody nuts uh vertical christmas warm quest project eternal bike brotherhood of the american samurai uh illegal boogaloo badge of threat rolling mission year of the electro husband Fast Fight, Bent Posse, Karate on Fire, oh, Cold Dimension. I see it. Fast Fight, Karate on Fire. I like yeah. the sound of that. Fast Fight, Karate on Fire is good. Codename Hawk Legion. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Um, make sure you remember that other title because I'll have, I'll have forgotten it already. I've Exotic Steel. The <laughs> 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 Ninja Puncher. Silver Fingers. Escape the Dangerous Sadist, Shotgun Revenge, Sumo Challenge, Look Out, It's the Silent Ranger, Attention, Monster Renegade, Sexual Directive, that's not a, not a video game, Zone of the Sex Manhunter, Infectious Cheddar, Beefy beefy Police, Total Strike, there's, there's, there's too much. I, bought, I tell you what we could do. We could do mm. what we've done in the past as well. Mm. Where let's say you pick a word and I pick a word, but yeah. we, in the middle, we either have the or of. What would you rather, of or the? Okay, so it's something of something. Yeah, so you okay. pick a word and I pick a word. Um. Okay. Go on. I've got a good before. You doing before. Okay, mission. I had snake. But I realise it's not a <laughs> <laughs> mission of <laughs> mission of snake. Yeah, I don't think. I mean that. 
I, we can go in Mission of Snake. I'm fine with that. Do we have to? Should we just put a ver in as well? Mission of the Snake. Mission of the Snake. Yeah. Mission of the Snake Force. Yes. Because the Snake Force could be. But Mission of Snake Force. Yeah. There we go. Done. There we go, everyone. That's how democracy works, you fucks. Um, so, Mission we of Snake should have, Force... We should have done Brexit. We should have done Brexit. We'd have had that deal, no problem. Yeah. Boris, you pick a word. Yeah. Manuel, you pick a word. Go. Snake Force. Um, <laughs> so, Mission of Snake Force came out on the Mega Drive to little acclaim in about 1993... Yeah, um, it was clearly just a ripoff of other games. Some people bought into it, some people not. There was a the, SNES version as well. The um, cover didn't look like the characters in the game either. No. They had different outfits on, they looked different as well. Yeah. So it was really mismarketed. But caught up in the game craze, someone bought the rights to it and said, fuck it, we're making this because the other films have been popular. And so Mission of Snake Force came out in about 96. Yeah as a straight-to-video action blockbuster. Mm. Well, I say blockbuster. That's what they called it. Um, but it may have very much existed in the realm where your worst-case scenario is the Double Dragon movie. Your best-case scenario is the Fist of the North Star movie, which I know is not a video game movie, but it's in the, it's in the same kind of vibe. Okay. Have you Can seen I... that? Yes. Yeah, mm. a long time ago. Yeah, we should cover that. Sorry, carry on. You were going to say. Why don't we pick a director for this as well? Because I think in this, it was in this era when a director was always attached and you clearly knew that director had no idea what the game was about and probably didn't really want the job anyway. Yeah. And they were a famous director, but this was kind of at the end of their career or before they had a renaissance. Yeah. So my meet, for some reason, my, and this is not, we should not go with this because... I can't even like describe the director's style, but my immediate thing was Jan de Bon, um, <laughs> director nice. of Speed and Twister. But I don't think he would bring anything to no. the party. Mine um, was Michael Winner. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> sold. Michael Winner. Uh, calm down, dear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> directing Mission of Snake Force. He's got it, no fucking idea. Someone. Li- Someone pushed a Mega Drive in front of him and he just spilt his drink on it. Yeah, he was trying to eat it. Um, yeah. Basically, it was a dinner party with Rog, Roger Moore. Yeah. And uh, Rog said, I've been, I, I'm not going to do a Roger Moore impression. He raised his eyebrow and said, uh, uh, and then said, you know, they, then they had a kind of game of Mega Drive and Michael Winner had no idea what was, what was going on. Really pissed. Um, and then, yeah, someone said, do you want to do this? And he went, ah, and they took it as a yes and signed the contract there. And then. Yeah. So clearly Roger Moore plays the villain. Yes. Um, and I think like most video game stuff, they've not really adapted it authentically. So Absolutely. I think the villain is just Roger Moore and he turns into like a stop motion monster. But ultimately it's it's Roger Moore in a kind of, M. Bison kind of military outfit, <clears throat> yeah, with those gold tassels on the shoulders and that yeah. and a monocle, and that's it. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and they've told him to do a special move, and his special move is just to do like Monty Python style high kicks as yeah. he walks towards someone. And they've renamed him. He's now in this. He's just called Rufus Crandor. Yeah, 
and he's um, and he and he says like come on then come on yes that's just kind of like <laughs> yes and they clearly not making um clearly not knowing anything about the video games they just shoehorned in um words and phrases so at some point he says oh they've leveled up you wish to continue or something like that i know that's that's almost uh prince charles <laughs> Could you, you know, I'm going. You're, you're quite a good impression. So let's amazing. You know, let's sidetrack for one minute. Let's think that Michael Winner and Roger Moore are opposite at a dinner party. <laughs> could you, could you do a conversation? Yeah. Just using like <laughs> noises that sound like them. Yeah. Um. <laughs> 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 that's how it went basically that's the actual dinner party that they yeah. they, they kind of signed the deal yeah. for this film yeah that's how it went down okay cheeses so... are cheeses of the world Rod don't <laughs> uh, mind if I do pass the cheddar so uh, who's playing Beef Eater oh Pat uh, Roach Pat, Pat fucking Roach, Roach. Uh, well, we were I was going to say yeah Pat fucking Roach that's how it's credited as well who's Pat playing Roxy Roach. Pollocks. Jet from Gladiators. <laughs> no, you can't say her just for everything. But I'll allow it because yes, it's I can. And she's a goddess. And yep. I won't we won't hear any more about it. And who's our <laughs> Rodney Tweezer, or whatever his name is, Roy Tweezer. Essentially, um, he probably needs to be our leading man, doesn't he? He kind of needs to he lead does. So, force. Uh denim wearing kind of handsome. Uh, in a generic way, kind of leading guy. I mean, to be fair, I think Gary Daniels. Now, yeah, we're talking I was going to say, because Michael Winner has a bit of a punch. No, I, go on. I, no, no, go, sorry, sorry. I, he has a bit of a penchant for casting people, strange people from the world of showbiz in mm. very strange roles. So, for instance, there was a film that he did with Chris Rea. I know. Apparently, I've not seen it, but I remember that coming out and everyone saying what a honk of shit it was. No, I, I, had a, I had a thought for this one. Okay. I, I like Gary Daniels. but I'll, Yeah, I'll I mean, he would fit. Oh, yeah. Because we think... are casting the part of a, of a martial artist street fighter character who could yeah. summon a fire dragon. But what, what did Michael Winner bring to the table? <clears throat> Jimmy Nail. <laughs> Perfect. Jimmy Nail, Pat Roach, Jet from Gladiators. Yeah. Done and done. And Jimmy um, Nail does the kind of techno theme tune like Mortal Kombat for this game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does, yeah. He teamed um, up with like the KLF or someone like that. And yeah. It's fucking awful. <laughs> Jimmy Nail dressed in denim, Pat Roach in a pair of red pants and a beef eater's hat, and Jet dressed as Cindy Lauper on roller skates. And off they go. Oh, this is so good. So again, I want to reiterate, at regular intervals, all three of them have to eat whole roast chickens. Yeah. Um, I like the fact as well that in this world, that's all, all medical science is based around the consumption of roast chicken. Like we may be cut to, like I like the idea in the middle, maybe Jimmy Nail's taken a fatal wound and Pat Roach and Jet are around the operating table and the doctor's just like packing him full of chicken. Because <laughs> it's the only way, like they're jabbing a drumstick in his mouth or just like the doctor's covered in like chicken grease and he's played by like Colonel Sanders. I just, yeah. I don't know. I think that's a, a, a part of world building that the secret to life is in chickens. So 
the, let's just say a very, very loose plot. Like, basically, uh, Rupert Crandall is this kind of executive. His name is above every single building in this city. But quickly, the, real, the Snake Force realised, I, I can't, we, we won't give them a backstory. They've just been sent in to sort this, this shit out. Yeah, who they are, what, what, they, what they do for a living, why those three people have been put together, um, is, is never explained. I mean, Michael, Ma- Michael Wynn don't give a shit. Michael Wynn don't give no fuck. He's, he's not even facing the right way for most of the takes. <laughs> no, no. His he's, trousers uh... have fallen down and he's yelling action at a tree. <laughs> he's crashed his golf buddy, buggy into like part of the set. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, he, do, he don't care. Um, but he basically, and it turns out that, you know, quickly in the film that Crandall, uh, yeah, it releases all these is kind of soldiers and foot soldiers on onto everything and he's um, basically getting up to space and he's going to blow the world up or some shit mm. that he is kind of threat yeah. to the threats of the world yeah and so i think generally that there'll be some kind of quest like they have to find that both crandor and snake force i like the fact there's maybe like a um Okay, I've got right. So there's there's four fragments of something mm-hmm. they have to unite, and if Crandor gets hold of it, he can fire his space laser at the planet and blow it up. Yeah, but they've Snake Force have been cottoned onto it by their mentor figure, who's not in the game, who is a Jim Henson style puppet, a bit like Splinter, <laughs> but who's a, a, a um, I don't know a lizard or something in a dressing tortoise. gown, just a shit tortoise, tortoise, not a turtle. But no. tortoise, because yeah. you know we don't want to, we don't want to copy anything. Um, <laughs> and on its deathbed, it tells them that now their training is over, and now they must go out into the streets and find the the four fragments that will unite everyone, and will finally reveal who is the prophesized savior. Spoiler alert: it's Jimmy Nail. Of course. It is. Uh, and so they go off. And so they go to a place. Mm. There's a kind of guest star. That guest star is either attacked by uh, Roger Moore's gang or the guest star is kind of a boss and they fight. So I think the first person they meet is a, is a street level gang boss. Yeah. Um, who might that be? Are we going for the um, we're going for the silver skinned pimp or are we changing that up? I think, yeah, none of those characters appear in the film. Much to fans' annoyance, chagrin, <laughs> chagrin. This character is going to be wearing. I'll describe him to you, and then once I get to the end of my description, you hit me with who you've cast. All right. So I don't necessarily want you to pay too much to what I'm saying. You just formulate a human, an actor in your mind, and we'll just, see. Where and this is what Michael Winner does because he'll just cast showbiz people that he yeah. vaguely knows in a role. This, yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Um. So he's got those white square 3D glasses on. Mm. He's got um, a dyed green bowl cut, mm-hmm. um, dungarees, no shirt, and uh, spiked boxing gloves. Who's he played by? Christopher Biggins. <laughs> Biggins? <laughs> yeah. He's this character's name is um Foxton Foxton Blomp. <laughs> and 
they have to go to his kind of warehouse lair um, and he's got one of the fragments and they have to fight his gang of, and it's kind of like the Warriors, all the gangs have different kind of themes mm. and all of his, his gang themes is they're all paint and decorated. So they've got rollers and brushes and they're flicking a, like a luminous glowing paint and attempts to get people in the eyes and stuff like that. Um, it's shit. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but neon and crap was popular. Yep. And they end up, uh, Beefy is dangling Foxton Blomp over a bubbling vat of a luminous paint. Yeah. And he's like, where's the fragment? Um, and it's it's in a safe. We then rush on to our next space. Yeah. And this is uh, someone who they have to negotiate with. Are we back at the docks? Are we kind of doing a similar level for this? I think, yeah, yeah. Docklands is fine here. I mean, we yeah. have Mitt Winner has not got the budget to go to an island. <laughs> and let's just say there's no helicarrier. There is an attempt at a space palace inside yeah. a meteor, but it's not very good. Yeah. So um, they go to the docks. And here they have to uh, possibly negotiate with a... Um, a swarthy seafaring person mm. and they don't they can't trust him i like the fact he challenges into a game of something like a game of poker mm. or a game of tiddlywinks or connect four but like a giant size one and <laughs> if it goes wrong traps come out and whatever giant connect four um so should we flip it do you want to describe him and i'll, I'll or her and i'll throw in uh, a showbiz pal of michael winner okay he's basically uh, he's got a hook for a hand Mm-hmm. Um, standard. He kind of looks like in bat. You remember the this ninety sixty six Batman? Yeah, the, the movie when he went mm. to the docks and he's basically like um the 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 kind of sailors in that, which is really kind of you know he's got like a Mister Staple style hat. Um, he's got um his arm that's not a hook. He's kind of got like an anchor tattoo. He's yeah. got like a striped tugboat style t shirt on. A massive, massive flared white trousers. Yeah. Mick Fleetwood. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So they play Giant Connect Four. Yeah. They best Mick Fleetwood, whose character's name is. I think it should be. Um, I, was, I was trying to go Mr. Staple, like um, Colin Puffed. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just not go Plopeye? I think, so, I think Plopeye... That. We can't best Plopeye. No. Yes. Okay. Um, they get on the boat. Yeah. They've got their, their fourth fragment. Mm-hmm. They're about to get the... They, and they're going to get the third one. The third one, I think <laughs> we do a like Indiana Jones-style map dissolve. Yeah. Because they can't afford to get on a boat. Can it just and be then, like someone drawing it in pen? Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, <laughs> winners knocked over his glass of red wine, and they've just filmed the trail of wine and just put that over something. Um, <laughs> and he's talking in the background. It's like, oh, it's like fucking. But about, fucking about like, yeah, he's just like, well, it's fucking Sainsbury's. They chucked me out again. <laughs> uh, and then they arrive at what we're told is the island hideaway. Yeah. where the rocket will launch to take them to space. It's actually a, 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 a gravel pit in, yeah. like, Sussex or something. Yeah, brilliant. 
Uh, I've got a smoke machine going. It's basically like an old Doctor Who episode. I've got the villain or villains for this. Yeah. By the way, if you Funny. if you want to describe if you want to describe it, and I'll I'll give you okay. villain. Um. So this character, I'm going to like stop the... listening now. By the way, just yeah. kind of chuck the names in. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I think feel free to just chuck the name in even before I finish describing right. him. But I like the idea, kind of mischievous, kind of gremlin-like, got kind of curly turned up shoes. Oh, this is going to work. This is going to so work. <laughs> um, a kind, almost like a Peter Pan outfit, but made out of leather. Yeah. Um, like a, a very, very like bright tan, almost orange leather. Um, big feathered hat. Um, weird contact lenses and kind of like pale makeup to make him look a bit creepy. David Essex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's got henchmen but the henchmen are henchwomen and henchwomen are the female girl group all saints oh, this is yeah absolutely making a regrettable film appearance um yeah. in this in this timeline that's they didn't do what was the film they did there was like a gangster one I think that wasn't that, Michael. Oh, no, that was Dave, the, uh, Dave Dave Stewart from the Arithmics. Yes. Directed it, and they were gangster girls, but I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, something like Stolen. Honest. Or, or, yeah, yeah, Honest, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. They worked with Michael Winner on Mission of Snake Force. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they stood next to a prancing David Essex dressed as an elf. He's got them on, like, pit. chains. Yeah. And he then leashes them. And they just make kind of... Um, like tiger claw gestures. They don't even get any dialogue. They didn't just Apart- fire. They didn't just fire their manager. They kicked the shit out of him like the girls at the end of Death Proof. They just <coughs> fucking ripped into him. Apart, well, I said they did cat ones. Apart from the little one, the little one literally just jumps onto Pat Roach and just beats the shit out. Of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they head off to what they think is going to be their fourth and final fragment. Right. But here's the twist. They go there based on David Essex's... Oh, we haven't come up with a name for him. Um, Pippin Bubblefool. What about... Uh, yeah, yeah. Plimpo Stardust. <laughs> yeah, Plimpo Stardust. <laughs> um, he directs them to where the fourth fragment is. And it's in some kind of industrial factory setting. Not like one that's been designed. They've just gone to a factory. He sings it, though. He sings the location. Yeah. Um, But when they get there, it's a track. It's like Hold Me Close. Yeah. How does it go go from that? Hold me go. Hold You're getting it all, folks. You're getting it all. (laughs) I know. So many different personalities in the room. It's Um, like being at Michael Winner's Chateau slash bungalow (laughs) in 1997. Yeah. So they go there to this factory. And when they get there, there is no fourth fragment. Not only has Roger Moore already got the fragment, but David Essex is there and he rips off his mask and there underneath is Roger Moore because he's also a master of disguise. And then just to make it even weirder, all saints take off their masks and they're all Roger Moore as well. But we've got Roger Moore's face on their bodies. And there's a million of confused loaded reasons all over the world watching that um because he can clone himself that's one of his powers um wasn't in the game but we've just and it's not in the film after this scene either no and so now he's got them he takes them up to his spaceship he's he shoots jimmy nail with a laser gun 
Um, they go up to the asteroid. Roger Moore's got all the four shards. He's going to unite them. Um, but they find in Jimmy Now's pocket a chicken wing, and that gives him just enough sustenance to wake up. And that when when the shards unite, uh, a bright beam comes out and doesn't go towards Roger Moore. It goes towards Jimmy Nail, who is the chosen one, the prophesized master. And as he gets hit by the ray, we then have the song that Jimmy Nail mm. has has done with the KLF that starts kind of queen-like, quite operatic, yeah. and it's called Saviour. And the word it's Jimmy Nail bowing out the word Saviour as he's bathed yeah. in light. And when the light drops, then the techno beat comes in. Yeah. Sort of uh, techno sounds with, with uh, guitar, kind of like a scene in Blade. And, it, and it's the word Snake Force. Yeah. But it's Michael Winner saying it as someone sh- shouted, what's the film called? And he <laughs> just sounds really confused going, Snake yeah. Force? And they just put that in there. I sampled it, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, him and Roger Moore, and basically Roger Moore's got a stunt double who we can clearly see is not only physically far more able because he's doing like roundhouse kicks and somersaults. And he's black. Yeah, basically, every time we cut to stand double, it's very clear this is not Roger Moore. Yeah. And occasionally, we just cut to a medium close of Roger Moore, kind of doing half a move as if to say, I've just finished doing a, a somersault. Yeah. And then he moves slightly, and then you cut back to the stuntman doing another massive flip. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy now fights the guy as this base is exploding, jet skating round, um, firing, uh, nunchucking his robot minions. Um, uh, he fight all saints just to yeah add so to that. yeah so the the all all saints all wearing roger moore masks basically are running around left and right and she's fighting them yeah and pat roach is just pulling out like machines at the wall and just picking them up and throwing them <laughs> so things are exploding can um, we also have just before when he has the chicken jimmy nails the chicken mm. can we have a scene when he almost levels up and we we cut for for about a minute so you're not like a doom style first person shot mm. when he's just all these people are just running up to him like like face on and mm. he's fighting them just for like I don't tell you exactly what happens. They give him the chicken wing, right? He ascends, and as he does that, Roger Moore goes, Ooh, extra life. And but then Jimmy Nail, like in the game, he comes, he's he comes down from above, drops into the into the game, and he's temporarily indestructible, he's flashing. Exactly like it is in the game, and that's how he gets to defeat. Amazing. And then at the end, he charges up his savior force, and that's when a giant fire dragon just smacks Roger Moore around the face. And uh, they get on a spaceship, fly out of it as the asteroid explodes, and then they sort of sit there and they 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 make some shit joke and they all high five, and then the spaceship flies off into space as the credits start to roll. And Jimmy Nail's song comes over the top. Amazing. Do we have like a Mortal Kombat style, like Shao Kahn turns up and he's like, and it cuts off? Yes. Who could we, um, could we have for that? Okay, so they're flying off into space. They high five, and then like a, a, a red light goes, like red alert, red alert. They go, what's that? Check the scanners. And they're floating in space, a bit like the space baby at the end of 2001 is just Michael Winner. And basically... <laughs> What they've done is he's got stuck in his on set. He got stuck in his hammock, uh, and so they just filmed him and just superimposed him 
like a hammock between two planets and him as this giant space entity. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, right. uh, and then Jimmy Nail just starts scanning over the top of it. Again, Crazy. as in the musical uh, vocal technique, uh, <laughs> he doesn't start shitting all over the credits. No. Michael Winner does that in his hammock. <laughs> Michael Winner is, yeah. <laughs> it's like a Play-Doh factory. It just... <laughs> <laughs> justice, justice, justice. Dick, what are you going to take with you from that film to the grave as a way to go out and seek justice in the world? Um, I think if if you taught me anything, try and find a Native American. In the middle of a wooded area or a, a, a desert or swamp, and he'll probably give you some powers to turn you into an ancient giant fire breathing dragon. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, you can do that, can't you? You can change into what do you change into? It, it, it I'd like to think it's a dragon, but it, it's just kind of uh, it's basically just me on the floor, <laughs> just kind of having a slow coronary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right you really tried but you just you just have a seizure or a heart attack or something yeah yeah i i i almost i i i aimed for um uh a, a dragon i kind of got to giraffe you know when you see giraffe you've seen giraffes fight with their necks yeah yeah i kind of was doing that but also what's difficult is i somehow manifested boxing gloves on my hooves as well so it was very difficult to stand up um so yeah we're not quite there yet but we're trying and that's the key if you're going to seek justice try and have some kind of animal spirit animal animal totem that you can metamorphosize into when you really need to go that extra mile and fight a bad guy who's got got magic you know try and make an intimidating animal as well like a vole or a you know koala bear or marmot well, uh, hopefully that's of some practical use to you. Otherwise, uh, this has been a real pleasure to to dig We're into giving. Mortal Kombat Annihilation, to dig back through our nostalgic video gaming past. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and to pitch a Michael Winner directed film where Roger Moore transforms into All Saints and fights Jet from Gladiators on a pair of roller skates. I mean, we've given him everything. We've we've had impressions. We basically transported you into in a whole new world tonight. It's like it's like being in a Hollywood boardroom chaired by Mike Yarwood. <laughs> and for those listeners <laughs> not in the UK, and also for those listeners in the UK, <laughs> Mike Yarwood is a it was a, a, a like an impressionist once. We normally thank our audience, but fuck them. Thank you, Dick. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank us. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>